It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Bronner, joining you on this fantastic Friday edition. And, you know, a lot's going on in regards to, you bet there's a lot going on in the NFL. And, of course, there's a lot going on as far as locally with the transfer portal as far as recruitment is concerned. And we'll have all that covered for you here on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, you know, I want to take this time. A couple of weeks ago, a good friend of mine, Montrez Slater, was senselessly shot down and, and murdered here in Mobile, Alabama. And I just wanted to dedicate today's show to Montrez Slater. He'll be laid to rest tomorrow so to his friends and family and all those that are grieving we just want to make sure that from WNSP's final drive that we give our condolences our thoughts and our prayers prayers to Montrez Slater and his family Michael Bronner I bet you didn't see what was going on in the NFL today. Uh, you had to you had to get that one in a second time there did you I, I usually give your your little Props and transitions, some, uh, yeah, here's another pun, your props, uh, props, but you know, I, I can't, I can't let that one slide by. Why don't you, why don't you tell the people what happened if, if they haven't seen it? Well, for, for those that, that love to, to go to our neighboring state or just love to, to place bets <laughs> on sporting events or, or just love to place bets in general, the NFL kind of frowns upon it especially when you sit and you place bets at your facility or while it's a team function whether that be on a team bus whether that's on a team plane whether that's at the practice facility in the NFL if you place a bet you better believe that that someone's watching the big sky the big eye in the sky or, or technology is watching because the NFL suspended four Detroit Lions players and one Washington Commanders play, player for betting. Now, y you would say, okay, well, of course, you know, Pete Rose, and we know he's not in the Hall of Fame because of his betting situation. So maybe people haven't learned that that's probably not the best thing to do, Michael Bronner, but when you sit there and you look at the four Detroit Lions players, Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore, they were suspended indefinitely and immediately released mm. from the Detroit Lions. They bet on football. Washington commander defensive end, Shaka Tony, he was suspended. But Jamison Williamson, Williams, along with Stanley Berryhill, 
And I'm going to go back to Jameson Williams, a number 12 overall pick from Alabama. He only gets six games. He can play in preseason, participate in OTAs. But Williams and Barry Hill of the Detroit Lions only suspended six games for betting on something outside of the NFL, but doing it while on the grounds of the NFL facility. And I think that that's what becomes interesting. And, And it's unfortunate because a lot of Alabama fans are sitting and saying, well, you have Jameson Williams, you have Calvin Ridley, a couple of Alabama receivers. When are they going to learn their lesson that you just cannot do that, Michael Bronner? I mean, if you're on the facility, I don't care, train, plane, automobile, and it is affiliated with an NFL organization, you you, you just you, you can't afford to bet on the NFL especially, but anything else outside of the NFL if you're on the the facilities that that pay, write your paycheck. Yeah, so there's a lot of layers here. Uh, first off, after the Calvin Ridley situation, you would think that a lot of these teams would have policies, whether they have policies or not, doesn't really matter. Evidently, they weren't followed, that guys don't gamble at all on any kind of sporting at all. Uh, obviously, uh, like you said, C.J. Moore and uh, and Quintez Cephas, you know, they're kicked off the team and suspended de- indefinitely right away because they were betting on football. It doesn't matter where you were betting. Do- none, none of that matters. They were betting on NFL games. That's the immediate no-no. That's what Calvin Ridley was doing. That's why he was suspended for a full season and ultimately is not in Atlanta anymore, although that he wasn't going to be in Atlanta anymore regardless. But So Jameson Williams gets six games. So here's here's uh, where it gets a little bit murky. NFL players are allowed to bet on other sports, NBA, NHL, college, really anything that's not the NFL, but they just can't do it on team facilities. And the definition of team facilities can mean a lot of things. It can mean literally the team facility. It can mean a team hotel. So if you're laying in bed before a game trying to place a parlay, uh, on you know Draymond Green over eight and a half points or whatever, uh, same thing as the team plane. There there's an issue with that as well. So, and Jameson Williams broke that rule. I don't know what he was betting. We we don't know. It doesn't really matter. We just know he wasn't betting on the NFL. So, here here's where I have the issue. Obviously, you know, in an ideal world, these guys wouldn't be gambling at all be- after what happened with Ridley just because, you know, the better safe than sorry, and these guys wouldn't be suspended six games. My issue is the fact that w- what difference does it make if you're betting on the NBA in at the team hotel versus in your house? Uh, it's not like you're, it's, you're bound for any more corrupt bet on a team plane versus – at your local McDonald's or, or whatever the case may be. It, it just, uh, it, the rule itself, I don't have an issue with the NFL being anti-player gambling. I can understand why. There it I, is. I have, a, I have an issue with the fact that it's kind of open, but not really, and then the fact that, oh, they're going to run DraftKings and Caesar Sportsbook and FanDuel promos in your face and down your throat the entire NFL Sunday every week after week after week after week after week. 
And but you're telling me that Jameson Williams can bet on the NBA in his house, but not at the team facility. Absolutely, what, what difference it, it, does it, it make? It's it's a huge difference in regards to the NFL. Yes, it is a double standard that they're setting. But if there are rules in place that say you can't do it, have that self-control and don't do it. Because, again, you see beer promotions, you sell alcohol at games, but you don't want people to drink and drive. Are you telling me Jamison Williams isn't allowed to have a beer? I'm saying he, he's over the age of 21, so he can have a beer, but he won't have a beer at the NFL facility because those are the rules and guidelines and protocols that are set to where outside of the facility, you can be like Antonio Brown and old child support. That, that doesn't concern because it's outside of the playing facility. But if it's on or in a playing facility – you know the NFL says you cannot do it. Don't do it. Why would you risk an opportunity to get paid? Because Jameson Williams only played in six games. At the end of the day, if it's in black and white, if the NFL's telling you not to do it, they don't care if you go to your crib. It's not they, in black and white. It, it, it it's is. It's not in black oh, and white at all. You're gambling. You cannot do it in the facilities. It's in black and white. Why are they at home, Bronner? They're well, at home and they're suspended all, now because it's in black and white. Don't do it at the facilities. Not only them, several other staff members within the different organizational roles were also released. So if it's legal to do it all at the facility, Michael, why were they released? Why don't they have jobs right now? Well, they were betting on football. So in that case, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. You're betting on football. You're betting on football. I I'm not going to sit here and argue that NFL players should be able to bet on football. I understand that. Uh, evidently, Jameson Williams, there was no evidence of that found, and that's not what happened. But it would make more sense to me if there was a complete hard and fast rule, no gambling on any kind of sports whatsoever. It's the fact that it's a half and half. You can bet on the NBA, but it's where you bet on the NBA that matters. It doesn't it, – there's no – it's just for, for show. There, What difference do does it really Do it at really your crib. Do it, 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 do, it do it down the street. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because it's quote-unquote betting. Let's say DeAndre Swift wants to bet a beer against Jameson Williams on who can win, who can win in a race. Where's the line there? The line is so blurred by that. Are they going the to a betting rule? site to do so? No, no. There's That's just a bet the between difference, friends. Michael Bronner. It's These still, guys were going gambling. to betting sites. It's still gambling. So when where's the line? When you go to betting sites, get betting sites. There's there the, under the table doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. We're talking about once you go to these sites and can digitally be tracked. For what you placed, even if it's a dollar bet, at your facility that you're employed by in the NFL, if you do it, you're going to get caught and be suspended. Calvin Ridley was dumb enough to do it. He was dumb enough to do it, and he did it at the facility, and he bet it on football. And, and a lot of these players – have probably never even heard of Pete Rose, don't have a clue as to what it has cost 
Pete Rose for betting on his sport. Now, if you want to bet on any other sport, again, leave the facility and by all means, go right ahead. Better yet, Michael Bronner, I have a better idea for all these multimillionaires. You got a homeboy, you got a partner, you got a girlfriend, you got a wife. Let her or your partners place the bet. But it's just a subjective rule for the for the sake of there being a rule. What difference does it make? I, I'm. It would the make, fact again, that you can't do it. That like just because they say so. My, my yes, point because being, they say my so. point being, the rule would make significantly more. Would you agree that it would make significantly more sense if it was just a hard and fast no gambling on any sports? whatsoever like that would make more sense than saying you're able to bet on the nba at your house but you can't bet if you're at in sitting in the parking lot of the facility so so is it like the moment you pull out of the parking lot absolutely it, 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 it is. Is, it, is it the moment you walk into the team hotel is it the foot you step off the team plane once you're on the plane when, is it when you're in the airport if you're waiting on to clock. get on the team plane you can't go like where's the line i, I tell you this I, I i guarantee i bet you no one else wants to find out where that line is oh. i bet you they don't I bet you they don't want to test the waters. Well, if they really to wanted out. to eliminate the uh, and really want to get rid of that line, there would be a hard and fast no gambling whatsoever rule. And they'd they stop can't do it. I well, mean, they have a franchise in Vegas. They'd stop. They'd stop running ads for FanDuel and and Caesar Sportsbook too and, much and DraftKings. But oh, why would they do that? Oh, because it makes them too much money. It's just hypocritical NFL being hypocritical NFL. It's ridiculous and of course. But you know, I I'm not gonna hold the NFL to a high standard of morality because if you hold the NFL to a high standard of morality, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Uh, there's nothing the NFL can do that's going to make me stop watching. I've said that time and time over again, and that's why no one is going to stop watching. But that being this all being said, I mean, it is ridiculously hypocritical. In the app. We'd love to get your feedback in the app because we've already gotten some great replies here. I hate gambling, but the rule, they can't gamble on another sport on their team's facility or any place associated with the facility is stupid. Where they place a bet is the issue. No common sense. How about stop running tons of gambling ads during your games? Well, I don't think they're going to do that just because of the billions of dollars well, we know not that is coming that. in. We know they're not going to do that. Because of it. And I, I just, when you're in a situation for this, I think that you have an opportunity without question to learn from others' mistakes. And when you learn from others' mistakes, I think that that's what and where you, you faltered right here. And, and they're lucky. I mean, Quintez, Cephas, and C.J. Moore suspended indefinitely and cut. Well, they bet on football. Pete Rose bet on baseball. That's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. At what point in time do you learn from that? And here's the thing. <laughs> One would hope, like, the Calvin Ridley thing would have just made Exactly. Them learn, and, I mean, it's right in front of your face just one year ago. Just don't do it. Period. Don't don't place that bet in regards to doing it on your sport that you play in, and they have no rules about doing it on any sport outside of the one that writes your check. So by all means, go right ahead. If you want to gamble on college, the rodeo, golf, tennis, whatever it is that you want to pay the bills or have that extra money to splurge on, go right ahead and do it. Yeah.
but don't do it for your own sport. It's not it's not worth it. I hear Jamison Williams had a mean Masters John Rom future place he cashed in. <laughs> no doubt about <laughs> it. We'll, we'll talk about this continued gambling problem on the other side here on the final drive. Of course, we have Luke Johnson coming up right around 4 o'clock to talk about the directions of the Saints, where they may go in this NFL draft and when they get started with their OTAs, what they're going to do. And, of course, future Hall of Famer Willie Anderson, a.k.a. Stu Meat, joins us at 5 o'clock. He has some vested interest in this 2023 NFL draft. We'll talk to him about some of his offensive linemen that he has trained and are about to get paid in the NFL. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5, Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5, and we started the final drive with the bets that the Detroit Lions had four players suspended for gambling, one for the Washington Commanders. And when you start looking at it again, I, I just hate that you have to see another Alabama Wide receiver, just so happens he's a wide receiver as well. And you look at just having six games. He's lucky he only has six games. And I think that as the NFL continues to dig, if this doesn't open the eyes of going into OTAs, I don't I don't know what else the NFL can do to say, all right, we had one player a year ago, Calvin Ridley. We suspended him an entire season for gambling on football and then when you look at this situation here you have Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore they're going to be gone for a year and they're not a first or second round draft pick they're just happy to be in the NFL I just think Michael that there are rules in place when you know the rules you know what you're supposed to be doing you know what you're not supposed to be doing either comply or go ahead and suffer the consequences. Well, uh, one thing they could do to curb it is make a hard and fast rule, uh, one way or another. One way or another, either allow it or don't. So, not again, not on football, uh, but get rid of the stupid and asinine facilities rule and make it not matter because it really doesn't make a difference. Uh, or just say no gambling whatsoever on anything, and if you're caught gambling anywhere outside of a casino uh, on sports, then you're then you're done. That's what they could do, but instead they're, they have themselves caught somewhere in the middle. And, well, this is going to probably continue to happen. So, Well, there's no doubt that gambling has always happened. It's just a matter of back in the day, there was a slip of paper that you could be traced to. Now there's more than a slip of paper. You're not running numbers anymore. It's digitally. Yeah. You're, you're inputting things that are personally connected and tethered to you. And if you're dumb enough to do that, again, 
you have all your partners that can go ahead and place these bets for you. Cash app them. Apple pay them. Let them be the ones who do the gambling and the betting for you. And then just collect your winnings instead of doing it directly for yourself. Again, don't you think that's silly? Do I think that's silly? Yeah. If you're betting on your sport, the fact that you have to do... Well, no, I mean, I would agree that betting on football is stupid, but if you're betting on another sport to have to go through a third party. If you're betting on another sport, if you're dumb enough to do it at, at your facility, yeah, I, I think you're, you're a dummy. If you're dumb enough to do it at your facility, absolutely. And if, you, if you're in such a need and you need to go ahead and hit that parlay or you need to go ahead and place that bet and you want to do it immediately... Get your partner to do it because you can't do it. So if you want to make that gamble, make that bet, and take that chance on a facility or in a team hotel or on a team plane, let somebody else do it for you. Cash app them. Apple Pay. I mean, it's still traceable at that point. I just don't see the difference. You're gambling, you're gambling. Because that other person is not employed by the NFL. But you're still funding it. So what? What is? It's just a symbolic difference. I guarantee the NFL has a direct link to when you mash that button to accept that gamble or to place that bet tied to you. They don't know who your friends are, so no. How are they going to tie that back to you? You can't. So that's why you would do it. Someone raises a good point in the app, and we'll, we'll uh, we got Chuck waiting on the phone. We'll get to you in just a second, but. Say, say I'd, li- I'd like to know the percentage of players that actually knew the rule about other sports in the hotel. No way, tons of guys are not doing that. I bet t- I bet people don't know about that. I mean, because it's a inherently pretty ridiculous rule. You're telling me you're laying in 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 bed in in your room in the hotel, and you can't pull up That's a little a team pull up facility. a little It's a team facility, Michael. No, you can't do it. It's directly tied to you. Pick up the phone, let your partner do it that's not at a team hotel or on the team plane, and let them do it for you. I would venture to guess a lot of people are unaware of that that extremely subjective and, and ridiculous rule. Because, again, it's not illegal to gamble on any sport outside of that that you play in. So that's the biggest thing. If you're, if you're, if you're in the NFL, no, you cannot bet on the NFL. If you're in the NBA, no, you can't bet on the NBA. But they... The NFL does not say that you cannot. There's no rule that says you cannot as long as you're not in their facilities. And there's a lot of things that are considered their facilities, whether it's practice facility, whether it's hotel, whether it's team airplane. There's a lot of outside sources. How do you define a facility then? Well, apparently, I'm not there to see where they match it, but the NFL smart enough to, to find out what they define as a facility. Because that's why you have five guys that, that, that aren't going to be playing in week one. So apparently the NFL knows. So a hotel is just a facility sometimes. I, I, I think that the hotel is a facility when you're going to a city. Yes. Absolutely. Hmm. So as far as trying to find loopholes, Bronner, if you know ways – Brawn of the brain, if you know ways that can help these guys find a way for that gray area, by all means, you better pick up the phone right now and call Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore 
Well, you, you can again, call them. I have no sympathy for Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore. Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore bet on bet on the NFL. Hey, look, you, you're 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 a, an Alabama diehard fan. Help Jameson Williams out. Yeah. Show show tell his attorney where that gray area is. That's the thing. The fact that there is this gray area is why I have an issue. Like there could be a very easy elimination to the gray area. You either allow betting on other sports. Or you don't allow betting on other sports. It's quite simple. And the NFL is in between the two. That's why there's an issue. And that's why Jameson Williams is going to miss the first six games of the NFL season. There's a very easy way to eliminate the gray area. I, I think it all goes down to the to, to the betting sites. Someone just asked in the app, too. What about poker games on the team playing? What about, like... Is it a site? Or is it just cash money? What difference does it make? It's gambling. It's all gambling. All gambling, but again, poker on the plane, yes, it is a team facility. Yes, I agree with that. But again, are you in a situation to where you're betting on NBA games? No, you're not. I'm not saying you should so be able to bet legal. on NFL and NBA games. So that's legal. That's why it's legal. That's why poker on a plane is legal. What? The, how is it? How is betting money on poker if you're an NFL player different than betting on an NBA game? Uh, how, how? How is that? How is that different? On site is the difference with the NFL. What difference? On site, off site. What? What difference? You're gambling on something that you're not an active athlete in. So what difference does it make? An active athlete. Again, these five individuals, all active athletes in the NFL. Two decided to go ahead and bet on the NFL. And whatever Jameson Williams, Stanley Berryhill decided to bet on, regardless of whether it was, like I say, golf, tennis, tiddlywinks, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they did it through a site to where it was traced back to them. On the facility or on site, for the Detroit Lions and the Washington Commanders. All right, so if it can't be traced, it's all well and good. So these guys should use illegal books then? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I'm just trying to get an understanding of the argument. So if these guys – so if one – so if Jameson Williams uh, thinks uh, this NBA team is going to win and Stanley Berryhill thinks this NBA team is going to win and they disagree with each other and want to put $100,000 up against each other, that's okay? I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to clarify. Well, what you're trying to clarify is the fact that if it's an outside sport, if it's an NFL player, NBA, yeah, gambling on the NBA, not a problem as long as it's not on facility property. Oh, on this is on facility property that can't I'm talking do about. it. But, but but there's no app, no app, non traceable. These, these there, you just said the key word. It's untraceable. So what's the purpose? Give me a hypothetical. The, they got caught because they did it through something that was traceable. Again, well, running got, numbers back in the days was untraceable. Sure, they got caught, but I'm sure it would be, quote-unquote, against the rules regardless. But how did they get caught, Bronner? But because they did, because it was traceable. Oh, I'm just saying, that's my point. So if it, Do yeah. it where it's not traceable. So use an illegal book where it's untraceable. Hey, a book? <laughs> back in the day, ask Al Pacino how that worked for him. Yeah. If, if you have, okay, so the only thing you can't trace is cash money. Cash money. Cash money. If if you run yeah. numbers, if you have a, an audit or any numbers in a book, they can tie you to. Yeah, that that's something you don't want to. But as far as 
just wait until you get home to place the bet. That's all you have to do, Bronner. That's it. That's all you have to do. But if they were to make the bet in some non-traceable fashion, like just you know two friends making a $10,000 bet with each other, that's okay. It's, as long as they don't get caught. Your issue is the fact that they did something traceable, not the fact that. My issue is when you know the rules, just wait. Just wait. Don't do it on facility. I, I think that that's, that's the biggest problem here that these players failed to realize. And now they're realizing the hard way. And again, Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore officially suspended indefinitely for gambling on a sport in which they play in. And, and it's just you can't, you can't do that. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's a fantastic Friday. A lot more news coming out. Next on the final drive, LeBaron Phylon, Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama. We'll talk about his big decision today next on the final drive. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner. You can correspond with us in the app. A great active app going on this afternoon. And, of course, you can give us a call, 251-694-1055. And, of course, LeBaron Phylon, Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama, decided today that he was going to decommit from the Auburn Tigers. And this is something a lot of Auburn Tiger fans were worried about it when Wes Flanagan left a couple of weeks ago to join Chris Beard at Ole Miss because Coach Flanagan was the main recruiter for LeBaron Phylon. And we're talking about that's one of the, the toughest parts about when a recruit reopens their recruitment back up. You, you, you sit there and – you don't blame LeBaron because if he has a relationship with Coach Flanagan, he didn't shut the doors on the Auburn Tigers. He just reopened his recruitment. Now, what does that mean for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers? I, I think that it means that Coach Pearl is going to have to go a whole lot harder now to get LeBaron Phylon back in the orange and blue of the Auburn Tigers. But I love the fact that, you know, he controls his own destiny, LeBaron Phylon, that is. The real deal, worth the price of admission. Mr. Basketball in the state, and if he stays healthy, can win it again next year, Michael. But that goes to show you that sometimes relationships are everything versus head coaches. Yeah, so Phylon wasn't the first decommitment since Wes Flanagan has left. Also, four-star center Peyton Marshall decommitting from the Auburn Tigers. and also, I think Marshall directly 
cited staffing changes, pretty much saying beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know if he directly said because Wes Flanagan is going to Ole Miss, but he might as well have without saying it. So departure of Flanagan's hurting. I don't think Ole Miss was really in the running for Phylon to begin with. We'll see if they kind of can get into that uh, into that ring now. But, yeah, I mean, he committed to Auburn initially really over Alabama, Arkansas, and LSU. So, I, I don't know. You got any, you got any prediction there? I, look, I just want LeBaron to be happy. Yeah. And, and the fact that LeBaron's one of the best juniors in the entire country, not just the state of Alabama, that's why he has Mr. Basketball under his wing now. Also named 7A Player of the Year, has an opportunity – Again, Gatorade Player of the Year, Max Preps Player of the Year. I love LeBaron Phylon because he understands the fact that it's not just about him. Again, Coach David Armstrong would be the first to tell you, LeBaron is one of those guys, no matter how many kids are around, how many kids look up to him, he's going to sign every single autograph, going to take every single picture, because he gets it. He understands. And I'm quite sure he understands with his decommitment for Auburn, he's doing what's best for himself and his family. And Bruce Pearl still has an entire year to continue to try to woo him. And yeah. I think that that's exactly the full court press is going to be having to be had because Bruce Pearl officially hired Corey Williams, yeah. who comes in. From Texas Tech. And good hire. That, that's a great hire for Bruce Pearl. Yeah, it's entirely possible Phylon still ends up at Auburn. Uh, but the world was certainly melting down today on Auburn Twitter. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Again, you lose two commitments in a week, both from the 2024 class. I think, I think they still have a... Uh, I think they still have a five-star, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but another really good player in the 2024 class. But I believe he's their only commitment as of now. you got to wonder, is Nate Oates going to throw his hat back in the LeBaron Phylon ring here? Well, if you're LeBaron Phylon, everything's open now. Yeah. It, it, it's, again, fair game because it, ideally what what's always interesting to me and – Fans are called fans. It's short for fanatical mm. for a reason. How quickly you see a lot of people turn on LeBaron Phylon. And to me, if you're the Auburn faithful, that would be the wrong thing to do. Just say, hey, all right, he reopened his recruitment. Let's just go ahead and date him a second time. Let's take him out again. <laughs> Let's continue to woo him. Let's find a way to make him come to Auburn and be the first Mr. Basketball in our program's history. And I, I just think that that's exactly what you get and what you see. When, when you attend a school, Michael, athletes always, four- and five-star athletes have always said, I'm going to a school based, I say go for tradition, go for the education. This is before NIL even entered the picture. Before that was... Which has certainly changed things. It has definitely changed things. But when an athlete would look at a school, you didn't want that 
young man or young lady to go to a school based on a coach because the coach could always leave. The players were the one, even if they wanted to follow that coach, you had yeah. back in the day to have to wait an entire year. There was no transfer portal. The old saying is like commit to a school, commit not to a coach. Commit to a school and not a coach. Now, if that relationship, if you're good enough to be a one and done and you're only going to have a six-month relationship with a coach, by all means, go right ahead. But when you're talking about an investment, I think that LeBaron Philon, he has NBA aspirations. And I think he'll be there one day. But I think that speaks volumes, though. As soon as Coach Flanagan, less than a month later, LeBaron Philon reopens his recruitment. And if he decides at some point in time to go ahead and say he wants to be part of that Ole Miss program, mm. there you have it. But Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama – Again, Kansas, they're, they're still going to date them. Kansas was right right in it till the end, were they not? Absolutely. Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas. I just think now everybody is going to continue to date him. And he's on that EYBL, that Elite Youth Basketball League Nike circuit. And that's uh, in Atlanta, right? That's where they play a majority of their games. They play across the country, but – the biggest event that they have is in Atlanta. And when you're sitting and playing against the best players in the country, all affiliated with Nike brands, I just love the fact that, again, LeBaron Philon controls his own destiny. And if he wanted to decommit, by all means, go right ahead, young fella. Do whatever makes you happy. You're only a junior. Enjoy the process. And if you're an Auburn Tiger then you're an Auburn Tiger, and you'll make history being that first Mr. Basketball. And because he's from our city, you, uh, of course, Richie Riley in South Alabama continue to recruit him as well. Why not? You, you, he's in your backyard. And sooner or later, Richie Riley and them are going to get that big name fish that comes here locally. It's going to happen. It, sure, it ain't for lack of trying, I can promise you that. But LeBaron Philon is... Mr. Basketball in this state for a reason. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. You can give us a call, 694-1055. That's 251-694-1055. Or you can communicate with us in the app. We love to try to get back with you and interact with you in the app as well. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner, joining you on this fantastic Friday. And don't want you to forget, six days from now, three to six, the final drive will be at Walk-Ons. And... You can join us there for an opportunity to win a Traeger grill along with a Bryce Young jersey. So we would love to see you guys come out and enjoy our NFL draft party that will be at walk-ons next Thursday. Michael Braun and I will be broadcasting from 3 to 6. And then, of course, 
We'll be getting ready to take your ballots and see if you can become a GM and you're the best GM in the building and pick the top 10 picks correctly for an opportunity to win that Traeger grill along with the Bryce Young jersey. Of course, last night, NBA action, Philadelphia over Brooklyn. They're up three to nothing in that series. Golden State showed some life and they defeat Sacramento. Phoenix over the Clippers lead that series two to one. The Clippers do. And of course, tonight, Boston at Atlanta, Cleveland at New York and Denver at Minnesota. But last night in Philadelphia, you know, the NBA has Michael talked about it yesterday about hmm. going WWE style. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you just got to protect your growings if you're in the NBA because Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, he did not get ejected for kicking Nick Claxton as he walked over him, basically kicked him in the groin. And then James Harden, he takes a shot at Royce O'Neal, who's a little bit too close to him guarding, and he takes an elbow to the groin, but the difference is one was ejected and one was not. Broner, I, 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 was, I still don't understand how that was allowed last night with Embiid being able to continue to play in that game after kicking my man in his groin. It was almost like the Harden ejection was a makeup call for the non-Embiid ejection because the hard, I think Stephen A. said it today. The Harden ejection is one of the softest ones I've ever seen. Go check it out on Twitter if you haven't seen it. He, it was like a pretty standard, and James Harden over the years has kind of specialized in that little move he does to create a little bit of space and try to get an open three. And I guess maybe he threw a little bit of an aggressive elbow to try to create some space. I guess you could say it was a foul, like a standard offensive foul. He got ejected for that. All he did was, you know, Throw a little, a little minor elbow. He said, "Back, back, give me fifty feet." That's what he was saying, and he let him know that, you know, look, hey, y'all let it get away earlier in the game. My teammate kicked him in the groin, and and I just threw an elbow to the groin, and I, I think that <laughs> Harden is saying it was. Well, to, I mean, it wasn't really to the groin, the Harden elbow. At least it was. It was more so to the, you know, to the gut. But Embiid. Low he's, laying, he's laying on the ground and, and threw a leg up directly into the groin. So, so which Gro one? Groin's which a nice one was word worse? That, that, that you you saw the video. Which one is worse, Joel Embiid or Draymond Green? Oh, probably Embiid. Honestly, Embiid because Draymond is kind of laying there. Like Draymond it, it gets his ankle grabbed, and I, I still contend. He didn't really. Ha he's getting his ankle grabbed and didn't really have much of a choice to step on Sabonis at all. Yeah, he put a little extra force into it, and like we said, he tried to put a mud hole in Sabonis's chest. But Embiid, Embiid didn't need to do anything. He was kind of just laying there, and and tried to kick him in the family jewels for no reason. Well, I I, I tell you, I, you know, Royce O'Neal. Again, you you you. You can do all the acting you want to, whether you're Sabonis or whether you're Royce O'Neal or great Nick Claxton. Sabonis, who, by the way, played well, heroic performance by Sabonis to play in Game Three with that quote-unquote sternum contusion of his. It, it, it was it, what a again, joke. I, I think that 
Harden definitely should not have been ejected. But Embiid, I agree with the user in the app. Embiid should have been tossed. Will the league and Embiid is is probably going to be your NBA's most valuable player. So with that being said, will, will he receive a one-game suspension? No, he wasn't even ejected for it. So he's not going to get a suspension for it. He, he may even not even get a fine. And that's what's so I, I don't interesting. Think, yeah, I don't think either of them are suspended for game four. I think that already came out. Embiid's intent was way worse, but I think Draymond's act might have been worse. So, it, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion for sure. Well, you have kicking and screaming in the NBA. They're fighting for the lives in the NBA playoffs, and we're only in round one. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Luke Johnson coming up next to Talk Saints. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner joining you this fantastic Friday afternoon. And, of course, you can reach us in the app or, of course, give us a call at 251-694-1055. And we want you guys to make sure you join us at Walk-Ons this coming Thursday as Michael Brauner and I will be hosting the show there at Walk-Ons on Airport Boulevard and bringing you an opportunity to become your own GM. And if you go ahead and you pick the first 10 NFL draft picks correctly, we'll have a point system to where you'll have an opportunity to win a Traeger grill and also a Bryce Young jersey. So we look forward to seeing all our listeners at Walk-Ons this coming Thursday as we will be hosting our 2023 NFL Draft Party. And, of course, someone who will be in the draft will be the New Orleans Saints. And we wanted to talk to Luke Johnson. Covers the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate, Tom Spicayune. Luke, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us here on the final drive. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. How are you all? Absolutely too blessed to be stressed. And when you sit and talking about the Saints, of course, their offseason splash was the acquisition of their quarterback, Derek Carr, and finding him in a situation to where he, he is going to be what the New Orleans Saints are going to lean on and going to need. And it looks like Jameis Winston will also be a New Orleans Saint next year also. But what intrigues me is where are the Saints going to go here in the draft to continue to fill a lot of defensive and offensive holes? Yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a question without an answer right now, you know, because they can go a lot of different ways. I, I think they've had a pretty good offseason up to this point. You know, they, they got their quarterback. Um, they, uh, they got Michael Thomas back, which I think was really big for him, uh, potentially, um, you know, if, if Mike can finally get healthy. Um, yeah, they went out and signed a couple defensive tackles. They they signed that last year's rushing touchdown champ, 
Um, so they're going into this thing where they don't have to make a position at a, or a, a, a choice at a certain position, right? They don't have to draft a defensive tackle. They don't have to draft a running back or a defensive end. Yeah, I think they can they can legitimately say, okay, these are these are the, the five players we like. Um, we're going to take the one we like the most, regardless of what position he plays. Um, I, I think that's a good place to be. Um, yeah, they do have some softer spots on the roster, for sure. Um, but I, I don't think they have to force a pick. Um, and that's especially when you're picking a 29, that's exactly where you want to be. Luke, I think after the Derek Carr deal, we spent a lot of time just on this station and in general talking about the fact that, well, the Saints probably have to be considered the favorites in the NFC South. And then the Panthers go and trade for the number one pick. It looks like Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback of the Panthers in all likelihood there. How much, in your opinion, does that move the needle? And probably since the last time we talked to you, Baker Mayfield is a Buccaneer as well. So how much has the quarterback movement or likely quarterback movement in the NFC South moved? Your thoughts on, on the NFC South outlook as we sit here on April 21st? Uh, not really at all for the 2023 season. Like, you know, I think really realistically, if you're looking at, you know, out of the, the four teams in the division or the three teams that aren't the Saints, um, the one who I think had the best offseason so far is the Falcons, right? But they're still, you know, we're, we're still expecting them to have Desmond Ritter a quarterback. And I think that's a, you know, that's, that's a, a big mark in the wrong box for them. Um, so I still think that as things currently stand, and, and certainly if the Saints have a, a good draft here, I think it even bolsters their chances of, of being the is kind of the top dog in the division right now. Um, even even with you know, Bryce Young going to expected to go to Carolina, I think that improves their outlook for the next couple of years. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that makes them a, like an immediate um, like a, a real immediate threat right away. Um, you know, they still have a lot of a lot of spots in their roster that need to be addressed, um, but you know, it, it's it's going to get better you know, in the division. I, I think I think it's going to be more competitive this year than it was last year. And I think the Saints would be foolish if they go into the sink and they're just going to coast to a division title because they have Derek Carr now. Um, you know, they they they've got to beef up some areas on their roster still, uh, and they got to hope that they get much better injury luck than they've had in the last couple of years. When you start talking about injury luck. I mean, Jameis Winston, I, I'm kind of surprised that he is still a New Orleans Saint. And Michael Thomas as well. The production factor that he has to have for the New Orleans Saints, I, I think that he is definitely one of those links that ultimately can help the Saints become a much high-powered offense, especially with Derek Carr now. Yeah, yeah it, it, I, mean, I remember talking to a couple people at the – at combine this year, I'm um, just kind of having some and just chats about about the team and what happened last year, and you know, people were like adamant. That, that, you know, people within the organization they thought they would have won a, a couple more games just with Michael Thomas last year, even with all the other injuries they dealt with, um, because that was the one thing they were really lacking. Like, look, Chris Olave was outstanding as a rookie. Uh, they found a really really nice player in Rashid Shaheed. Juwan Johnson obviously had a nice year, uh, but the thing they were missing is they, they did not have that alpha target when they really needed it. You, know, you think back to the, the Buccaneers game where they blew the lead in the fourth quarter as they're throwing a, a slant on third and one to Marquez Callaway. There's a big difference between Marquez Callaway and Michael Thomas. And Mike, Mike is a guy that's going to go win that route. 
they got shut out against the 49ers, but they were they were down in the red zone like four times in that game, and they had dropped passes in the red zone, had turnovers in the red zone. That, that's an area where Michael Thomas dominates. This is he's such a huge part of their offense. He doesn't even need to be a guy who goes back to catching 100 balls and you know going over 1,200 receiving yards in a season. I, I think they're a, a better, more well-rounded wide receiver group now. But they need a guy who's going to win when they need a win. Um, that's what they were sorely lacking last year, and that's what they're really hoping he can get back to being for them. That's, and frankly, I mean, that's what he was in the first two games before he got hurt. Like, he looked like his old self. And I, don't think, I think it's foolish to just count on him being that, but if he is, and you got a better quarterback back there, you know, <laughs> Makings of a pretty good offense, just with those two. We're speaking with Luke Johnson. He covers the New Orleans Saints for the New Orleans Advocate and the Times Picayune. And one of the questions that is always asked, of course, a couple of months ago, it was shocking when the Chicago Bears give up the overall number one pick. And of course, with the Sean Payton coaching situation with him leaving and now becoming the head coach in Denver. Do you expect or, or would it absolutely shock you for the New Orleans Saints to, to, to try to move out of the 29th pick and move up to, to address something that they feel that they have to have this season on their roster? No, no. I, look, I, let's, let's look at Mickey Loomis's history here, right? Uh, since 2008, they've made 20 trades on draft day. Um and they have made 20 trades up. But they have not traded back in the draft since 2007. Uh, that's, that's just who he is. Um, he is a guy who is not a quality over quantity guy. They, they see somebody they really like and that they believe in, and they do everything they can to get him. And you know, sometimes it backfires. And Marcus Davenport, you know, they, they traded what was essentially the 27 and 30 pick um, to move up to 14 and take him. And, you know, I mean, they had a lot of belief that he was going to be a stud for them, and they still, you know, even going into last year, they believed in him. Um, but he was never healthy, and it never panned out. So you know, people might take issue with their, their aggressiveness, but perhaps then you, you look at some of the other guys they've gotten by trading up. They got Chris Olave last year. They got Eric McCoy in 2018. Uh, they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in 2018. They got Alvin Kamara in 2017. I think Trey Hendrickson was a trade-up, too. Um they see these guys and they see the potential for them. And, and I think their college scouting department does a really good job identifying these guys as fits for what the Saints like to do. And they go up and get them. I mean, we're talking about all these guys are at the very least high-level starters. And, and you know, a lot of them are, are guys who are at the top of their position in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really fault them for it. At the same time, like, I think it would be smart for them to try to, if, if there's a chance for them to try to trade down to do it. Um, because, like I just pointed out, they're really good at drafting. Um, and it would make sense to me for them to give themselves a couple more bites of the apple and, and get as many cheap players as they can because uh, you know, their salary cap situation is not getting any better anytime soon. Luke, what is going on with the Alvin Kamara legal situation? And I kind of want to ask you a two-parter there. If that's not to be resolved. I know they signed Jamal Williams, but could Jameer Gibbs be a target? A lot of people have comped him to Alvin Kamara if he falls for the second round. Yeah, I, I do think he could be a target. I, I, I do think that that's a position where if the right guy is there, they'll address it. 
in the draft, it, you know, maybe even with one of their top three picks. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple different scenarios they, they could see unfolding there. Um, you know, like, all right, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but you just really never know with the way the NFL values the running back position. Like, uh, there's a there's a decent chance B. John Robinson falls toward the back end of the first round, right? If you can add a guy like him, um, top uh, top five players in this draft, regardless of position, late in the first round, like, I, yeah, go, I wouldn't be surprised if they went up and, and tried to trade up for him. Uh, if Jameer Gibbs is there at 40, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense to add a, a player with a kind of adjacent skill set to Alvin Kamara, who I think is you know, one of the, the draft's better running backs. Um, but this is also a really, I think, a deep running back group. And I think if you look at um, some of the production from the last couple of years, I, I mean, just last year, um, I think four out of the top five rookie runners in the NFL were picked in the third round or later, maybe even the fourth round or later. You're talking about like Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh rounder, um, really good rookie running back for the Chiefs. Tyler Algier with the Falcons, um, the fifth rounder. Um, even you know, a couple of years ago, Elijah Mitchell from um, you know from over there in Lafayette was a six-round pick, and he ran for almost a thousand yards as a 49er. It's it's definitely a, a position where you can find a stud in you know third to fifth round. Um, but yeah, I think there are two guys specifically who make sense for them, whether it's in round one or round two, and that's definitely Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. One of our local products here, South Alabama, former alum Kawan Baker. And we used to call him the playmaker, of course, because it rhymes with Baker. Is is he? Does he have an opportunity to make a difference for the New Orleans Saints in regards to when you come in with a new quarterback and sometimes timing and reps are different from what you were receiving from Jameis Winston? Uh, I think it'd be uh, it, it'd be probably wrong for me to say it's like a really really good chance um yeah they, i think he's at the current moment you know, probably seventh on the depth chart a wide receiver yeah granted like you know a full off season for him um you know maybe a chance to to get to get some work in and, and maybe work with Derek Carr. you, you never really know what's going to happen but he's got to make some strides um yeah they it's two straight years now where they've been really, really, really thin at wide receiver, um, and he hasn't gotten much of a shot uh, to show what he can do. I think he's only been active for, for one game. So um, he's going to have to make some, some pretty big strides, I think, in order to, to just even be on the roster, uh, much less make an impact. The Saints, 7-10 and 10 a year ago. Would they be happy flipping that script this year, making it 10-7, and seven, or do you see the Saints even reaching – 10 wins this season yeah i think 10 is reasonable um and i think you know if, if things go right they could they could do a little bit better than that but uh, yeah they, they have to have things go right um and you know as we've seen the last couple of years um things have a, a habit of going wrong um so they i mean they've got to be healthier um you know i think um yeah, they, they've got to hope their defense is able to continue performing at the level it has been if they went 500 in games last year where they they gave up 20 or less points. That's that's not good. Yeah. So if if they if the defense can just hold on and play at that level, which is a big if, um, but their offense should be better, and that that should result in you know, some of those those 50-50 games going their way. Um, 
but you know, again, it's it's not something where you can just like count on these things to happen. I, I think they need to continue being aggressive and, and make moves and, and adding players in the draft. And then after the draft, they can they can you know, add some more veterans, guys who aren't going to count against the the comp pick formula, which is why I think you you've seen so few free agency moves in the, the last month or so. The teams are kind of waiting until the draft is settled to where, where they know where their roster kind of stands. They can bounce from there. So um, I, they, they have to get better, but I, I do think that 10 wins is reasonable, and, and you know, maybe they can go a little higher than that. Luke Johnson covering the New Orleans Saints. How can people read about all your pre-draft coverage? And again, after the selections that the Saints move, getting ready for the OTAs. Yeah, I've got tons and tons of it over there on NOLA.com right now. So just uh, you know, bookmark the page, and and we'll have a lot more coming out in the next couple of days. It's been a it's been a been a grind the last few weeks, so no doubt about it. Luke Johnson, look forward to talking to you post draft and seeing where the Saints are going into those OTAs. Sounds good. We'll talk to you all soon. Luke Johnson joining us here on the final drive talking about the Saints and their current roster and their future roster as the 2023 NFL Draft is upon us and you can join us at Walk-Ons next Thursday. Michael Braun and I will be hosting the final drive from 3 to 6 and then we'll get our NFL Draft party started. You'll have an opportunity to win a Traeger grill along with a Bryce Young jersey. So make sure you join us next Thursday at Walk-Ons here on Airport Boulevard. When we come back, Nick Saban had some things to say in preparation for Alabama's A-Day game. That's tomorrow. We'll hear from Coach Saban next on the final drive. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hope everyone is having a fantastic Friday and have a productive weekend. It's going to be a busy weekend of sports. Of course, you have the A-Day games that are going to be played across the country. Multiple games that we'll be giving you the results of on what we saw upcoming on Monday. And, of course, Alabama, they are going to be scrimmaging one another tomorrow and a lot of big time recruits will be in town. It's supposed to be phenomenal weather in Tuscaloosa and Nick Saban always says he takes great pride in the turnout for the spring game and one of those reasons being because of all the recruits that are on campus but it was interesting some coaches have different philosophies about spring games and how they want to go about creating scores, time, and situations, what events they have for the fans. Nick Saban kind of broke down the roster for the steak and beans that will be given to the winners and losers on yesterday's press conference. Look, we split up the squads in A-Day so that we get maximum reps for most of the players, which does not really mean that the entire first team is on one team and the entire first team is on the other team. It means that if we have certain guys at certain positions and we can manipulate them around to get reps for those guys by playing more of the game because we split the squads up that way, then that's the way we do it. 
So, um, you know, we had, we have, where, you know, we try to play uh, the first teams against the first teams and the second teams against the second team. So it's a competitive game. Um, had a draft yesterday for, you know, all the staff, uh, coaching staff, support staff, recruiting staff, training staff, everybody got picked. Uh, and you've got your team for steak on Monday or your team for beans and paper plates and plastic forks and spoons. So um, you want a tablecloth, you want a steak, you want a baked potato, you want a dessert, you got to win. You have to love Nick Saban because he takes that steak and beans dinner on Monday very seriously because I know watching last year, there was someone that was going to share their piece of steak, share a little bit of their dessert with the losers. And Coach Saban, I he intervened and he said, nah, bruh, that is not <laughs> going to happen at he, all. He physically, like, stepped between the two players. I think it was a piece of cake or something, like, whatever it was, and said, uh, no, we're, we're not doing that. Only only winners get, get the cake. That's what you love, though. I love it. I mean, you're playing for beans, which Coach Saban says nutritional. He, he, he serves them, but you have to eat them with the plastic forks. You want the steak and potatoes? Now, now Coach Saban, he, he's going <laughs> to eat his steak and potatoes regardless. And he may add some of the beans and dessert and have a full course meal there. But at the same time, it's the competition that Coach Saban loves. He said there's no pressure. But when he talked about how he split up the roster, ones versus ones, twos versus twos, trying to make it to where everyone has a good time but still wants to win, oh, there'll be competitiveness because, again, the steak and beans is something that, that a lot of people take literally – in regards to winning that game and being a part of that staff that has an opportunity to win that game and creating that roster. Nick Saban touched on his current roster and what could be coming in to Alabama's roster as well. Yeah, I mean, that, it, is a, it is a beautiful thing. Uh, you know. Like I, I love the steak and beans tradition so much, and I, I it's new knowledge about the plastic forks and plastic plates and or paper plates and tablecloths and there's a baked potato element to this whole thing that that adds a whole new layer to it. You got a steak and a potato versus just a what a big old bowl of beans that that that's your meal for uh, if if you lose and you know I like beans beans are okay but uh, wait do you want a meal of beans Corey? Nah, you know, there, there's that, that bean song. Beans, beans, good for your heart. Yeah. The more you eat them, yeah. the more you. And I think that I could probably do without the plastic spoons and forks with the beans and, and knowing that that's what you're going to eat and Coach Saban's going to laugh at you and enjoy watching you eat those beans as the losing team, that's where – Again, he stepped in and, and just said, no, nah, it's just not going to happen in regards to if you lose, you're going to eat the beans, and there's going to be footage of you enjoying those beans. Enjoying in, in quotes there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're okay. They're beans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, you, you eat beans, 
And you, th- I, I don't know a lot of people that just absolutely love beans and would eat beans for a whole meal. It's like, yeah, oh, I have beans. That's that's cool. Sometimes you get some really good baked beans, but like that's the side to your pulled pork or whatever. You know, no one just wants a meal of beans. Well, I tell it's, you it's what, it's like a demeaning meal for the losing That's exactly. You better it's eat perfect. a good breakfast. It's you eat, eat a good breakfast, and make sure that not only do you eat a good breakfast if you're on that losing team, it, it's a situation where you may pay the price later on as well. And I know Nick Saban, he did kind of touch on the transfer portal because that's something that is really, really changing college football. And you're you're asking yourself, well, well, what could Nick Saban possibly get out of the transfer portal? He he talked a little bit about the portal yesterday in his press conference. For this, it's a little bit like free agency, you know, in the NFL. Um, But, you know, NFL players kind of know they're expendable. Uh, I think some college players sometimes think the portal's a one-way street, um, but it's really not because we have an opportunity to bring guys in and replace them too if we choose to do that. We'd rather make it work with the guys that understand the culture in our program, um, but you know we're, that's just another you know resource that you look at players and see if there's any way that you can help your team and, and strengthen your roster. Strengthening your roster, that's something that I think Nick Saban definitely is is going to do and has to do because Kirby Smart, the king of college football, has done a phenomenal job, not necessarily in the transfer portal, but finding guys that understand the culture and fit well. And it's hard when you come into Alabama in June and July and August and you're having to learn that culture so quickly outside of early enrollees having to learn that culture early. Speaking of Kirby Smart, by the way, and, and what we talked about the other day, I do I do have that quick clip from uh, that, we, that we couldn't find it the other day when he's talking about they, somebody. Let's hear he, that real quick. Go right ahead. Sounds like something you will use in a lesson to your team at some, yeah. uh, some point, building a program and people trying to take it away from you. Yeah, well, that's been the case for a while now. And <laughs> last couple stop. of years, they, somebody's been successful. So. <laughs> somebody's been successful. And, you he know, Jim Dunaway. They, he, and he, then goes, oh, somebody. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say them by name, and he doesn't have to because we all know the success that Georgia has had. But I, I thought it was interesting, Nick Saban, was asked by Jim Dunaway about this particular book that Nick Saban is currently reading. And he said he loved history, he loves culture, and learning about civilizations and basically someone else coming to overtake civilizations and taking ideas from them and finding a way to take it back. And that was the whole purpose of of that clip there. And, I, I, again, I think tomorrow's A-Day game, again, I, whether they throw 20 passes apiece, I think that the running backs are going to have an opportunity to have an outstanding day. Mm. And Jamarian Miller. That's my, that's my A-Day MVP pick. Jamarian Miller. Yeah, Jamarian Miller. I do think that it is going to be one of the quarterbacks. And So are we, the question is, are we going to be here on Monday saying, like, Oh, Alabama has its starting quarterback. Because what's going to happen, I know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to take away way more from A-Day than 
I can guarantee you Nick Saban is going to take away from A-Day. Because what, what do we always say? It's like A-Day is essentially glorified for the fans and, you know, take it with a grain of salt because Nick Saban is, is going to run simple concepts and it's he's not going to tip his hand in front of the national – like the close scrimmages are for the complicated stuff. So I can guarantee you even if one of Milrow and Simpson, like, separates themselves and looks good and the other doesn't look as good – and, you know, we're going to come on here on Monday saying, oh, Jalen Milrose, the starting quarterback, like, looks like we found our guy. I can guarantee you we'll take more stock in the A-Day than Nick Saban does. So we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I predict quarterback-wise it'll kind of they'll, they'll look similar. I think they'll both do some good things. Maybe each will make one mistake. I'm excited to see the freshman, though. Holstein and Lonergan. I, that was interesting that Luke Robinson said yesterday that Dylan Lonergan is like, because we just haven't heard a lot about him. Uh, it's the guy who's been talked about as a freshman is Eli Holstein, like coming in from, from Zachary, Louisiana. And Dylan Lonergan comes in kind of as the afterthought. And Luke Robinson calls him third on the depth chart right now. Heck, if both these two guys aren't where Saban wants them to be, who knows? Maybe one of these freshmen can make a late push. Well, Every opportunity is going to be given, and Nick Saban talked about how much fun you should have competing. And one of the other things that Coach Saban talked about yesterday in his press conference also with the media is, look, it's not like this game is for the national championship. We're, we're playing each other, and because we're playing one another, we expect to compete at the highest level versus one another because ultimately any coach will tell you, your, your your games are won in practice. They're won prior to tipping the ball off or kicking the ball off. And that's a situation that Nick Saban continues to emphasize to not only his players but the media as well. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. You can reach us in the app or give us a call, 251 694 105.5. Hey, this is Buggins Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner. Taking your telephone calls, 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And, of course, we try to get to you in the app as well. And one of the things that we talked about a month and a half or two months ago was the college football having proposed, proposed rule changes at that time. And now they have approved the rule changes that were talked about. One of those were allowing the clock to run after first downs. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that can help college football speed up the game a little bit. And it'll stop during the final two minutes of each half, which is something that I think, again, it's an NFL model and prohibiting back-to-back -back timeouts. So icing the kicker or being able to call back-to-back -back timeouts that's no longer going to be allowed. And penalties at the end of the first and third quarter being enforced on the first play of the next quarter. So they used to do one untimed down, so to speak. But now you have those first and third quarter penalties. The first play 
of the second and fourth quarter is where you'll see those enforced. And I like the rule changes. I think that it will speed up the game a little bit. But, again, coaches, they've been aware of these proposals. They knew that they had to implement them coming into their spring practices as well as not only implementing them in their spring practices, already knowing going into the summer and the fall what the rule changes were going to be. So I'm in favor, and I think I think it's going to help speed up the game. Yeah, the, the ones that are being instituted are, are all well and good. There was one I can't remember now off the top of my head. There was one when we were talking about this that – like seemed pretty utterly ridiculous, and now now I feel like I can't remember what it was, but now it's not being instituted, so I can't I can't remember what it was. But the clock shouldn't stop after the first down. It's the reason why college football games take five hours. So uh, that that's all well and good. Uh, happy that that rule is finally changing. And yeah, I mean, not that not that I want college football games to necessarily be quick. Like I I don't sit there and think. During a college football game, like, oh, this game is taking forever. I mean, the 20-minute halftime is annoying. Look at the NFL. They do a nice, quick 12-minute halftime. I think that's good. It's funny. NFL halftime can either be the quickest thing ever if you get up to do something and, like, ha you know, I got to run to the store real quick at halftime. <laughs> it can be the quickest thing ever, or if you're just sitting on your couch, it can be the longest thing ever. It depends, exact, uh, it depends entirely on what you're doing, not the amount of time. But that all being said, uh, yeah, I, I am definitely for – the not stopping the clock on a first down. I, I never really understood a reason for it, and it, it just, it's going to speed up the game, which is all well and good. Well, well, sometimes, again, preparing those for the next level, it, it's very similar to in men's basketball. Two halves is something that a lot of college coaches would love for them to go to four quarters instead of two halves. The women's game went to four quarters a while back, of course, all – NBA games, Olympic games, high school games are on quarters, and men's basketball across the country is broken up into two 20-minute halves. So if that kind of rule change will make the game go a little quicker, I think that it will allow a little bit more excitement in the game. And I'm, I'm all for that in regards to strategy and having your team. Because we've seen poor clock management when you know that their clock's going to stop after getting the first down without getting out of bounds. We've seen horrible clock management. Teams not being able to get off a of play. Now that you know the clock's going to continue to run, that ups the ante. And it'll really put an emphasis on your practices and your game day structure. Yeah, I... I I mean, they'll adjust to it quickly. It, it shouldn't be this huge, crazy transition to, to get used to the clock running on a first down. I mean, it's it's not like the clock doesn't – it starts running once the chains are moved. So it's saves you, what, 10 seconds roughly on a first down uh, in uh, under ordinary college rules, and now it's just going to continue running uh, similar to NFL rules. So not similar, the exact same as NFL rules. So yeah, it's just ten seconds less that ten seconds more that come off the clock. It'd be interesting. So even in like a two minute less than two minute situation, that clock's still gonna be running, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, you know, a another change that's coming is when you relocate an entire franchise. And I know Oakland. I don't know what they're doing wrong 
in Oakland. But when Oakland now getting ready to lose the Oakland, Oakland Athletics to Las Vegas also, it, it just makes you wonder what's going on with Oakland, why they wouldn't build them a new stadium. You, you've already lost the Raiders. There's some layers here. And then you sit there and now you're losing the A's to Vegas. I think that the Oakland A's are are just if you're an Oakland A's fan, you absolutely hate the word Las Vegas, period. <laughs> if you're in Oakland, you can't stand the word Vegas. Well, ironically, it's the same stadium that both teams are going to be departing now, uh the old Oakland Coliseum, and it's I now, I don't say this as someone who has firsthand experience. I've never been there. I've never been to the state of California. But it has a reputation as really one of the worst, if not the worst, stadiums in the MLB and in the NFL, as it were. So, I, yes, you understand the, the team's frustration with that. Now, have you seen some of the attendance at these A's games in Oakland? It, it's been, like, probably spattered. putridly awful. It's right. been, like, really, really, like, genuinely... Like, you can make a joke about it, but, like, genuinely very, very sad. Like, that there are that few people at a Major League Baseball game. It, 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 on, like, a nice day, too. It just genuinely very sad. So, you understand why. But, I mean, did you see, like, a week ago that A's fans were planning a, uh, a quote-unquote... I forget what the exact term that, that they were using. Like, a reverse boycott? Like, where they actually sh all show up to a game? To show that fans... I got news for them. <laughs> a game is not going to save them. They, the were, they were planning on a reverse boycott where they all show up and fill the stadium to show, quote-unquote, that fans aren't the problem, and it's actually the ownership that's the problem. And then one of the comments I read on that tweet was like, okay, so what happens the, what, what happens when they say, all right, like, good stuff, do it again next game? Yeah, I, good, good, good luck for them in regards to having that type of reversal because the only good news is they when they go to Vegas, they'll still be the Las Vegas A's. Yeah. And when you've been a franchise since 1901 mm. in, a, in a city, I, I think that, that that part is tough. And it's going to take them at least three to four years to get that stadium built. So a lot of questions were asked, well, where are they even going to play? Well, they have well because you said the lease expires, right? That's right. The lease does expire for Oakland. So, where would they play outside of that lease expiring? They would go to the minor league franchise in Las Vegas and play their games there. But just sad to see Oakland lose another franchise because again, the Raiders. We know how historic and what they meant to Oakland. Yeah. And when now you're looking. At the A's, 1901 for those baseball purists, that's just tough. But Las Vegas, I mean, for many, many years. It's a sports city now, like pretty it, much officially. Without question, it is a sports city. That's and crazy, man. We'll, we'll touch ba bases back again about why the betting dollar is going to Las Vegas, why you are able to bet in Las Vegas but not able to go ahead and bet on your own and in your own NFL 
facility. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner on this fantastic Friday. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And yesterday we played you a clip uh, with Dylan Brooks calling LeBron James old. Well, LeBron James in his press conference today, he said... He's not here for the BS, and he just stepped away from his media availability, and I think that that's the GOAT being the GOAT letting to say, hey, I'm going to let my play do my talking for me. And I think, again, Dylan said he wanted to poke the bear, and he has poked the bear, and we'll see exactly what happens with those matchups. And, of course, last night, Philadelphia over Brooklyn, take a commanding 3-0 lead in that series. Golden State showed some life last night without Draymond Green. They now trail 2-1. Phoenix over the Clippers. No Kawhi Leonard and no Paul George still for the Clippers, but they still lead that series two games to one. And, of course, tonight, Boston at Atlanta. Nick Wiggins, Triple G. I meant to ask him today if uh, Atlanta's going to win game three. I forgot to do that. He, he had on his Lucky Hawks gear today, yeah. so maybe he's able to find a way to get a get his team a W tonight. They're trailing Boston two games to none. Cleveland at New York, one game apiece there. And Denver and Minnesota, two games to none. Denver trying to get rid of Minnesota early. And we talked about earlier Joel Embiid kicking Nick Claxton in the groin area as Embiid was on the ground and Claxton tried to step over him. Embiid was not ejected, but his teammate James Harden was ejected for a nice shot that he had on Royce O'Neal. Looked like a kind of a low blow. And in that situation, James Harden wasn't too happy about being ejected from that game. But we asked earlier, the Draymond stomp or the Joel Embiid kick, which one of them were more damaging? Well, Embiid didn't get ejected. Draymond did. And I think that that's one of the biggest differences. And, of course, Draymond Green is not going to be and not going to be an NBA most valuable player either. So that's a huge difference when you start talking about that difference. But Warriors might be better without Draymond Green. I, I might I, just go out on a limb and say I, I that. I will say this. I mean, I, I look forward to seeing the rest of that series because Sacramento and Mike Brown, NBA Coach of the Year. What's amazing to me, Mike Brown, he couldn't win with the Lakers, but he's he's able to turn around the Kings. And, and that's something that, that I find fascinating because, again, the Kings and the Lakers, two franchises, one historic, one not. And you're able to win with one franchise and not the other. You would think he would have been able to win with the Lakers. Instead, he's winning with the Kings. And that that's 
That's fascinating me. Mike, I don't know if you had a chance to see the youth wrestler mm, that finished a competition and was in the handshake line with someone who had just defeated him and absolutely clocked him, knocked him out after he was pinned. It's talking about being a sore loser. That footage there, if you can find that footage on TMZ, go ahead and post that on WNSP because you're talking about young athletes and sportsmanship and, and what they're learning and what they're being taught. Good it grief. Was, it was bad. I mean, absolutely cold-cocked him in the face instead of he shook he, he stuck his hand out to get a handshake and instead he caught a five knuckle special and and that situation was pretty interesting and of course the kid pretended he was about to shake his hand pretended too. that he was going to shake his hand and, and back and sucker punch it was it cold was brutal. cocked him I'll and these the are link right now. It, it's some of the things that that you that you get a chance to see you can check it out on the app right now as far as a, not even necessarily a teenager, just sticking your hand out after you lose a match and getting cold cocked. That that unacceptable. But again, if you're watching the NBA and other things and you see it, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and do what you see. And what we'll see next here on the final drive is Willie Anderson, former Viger High School All American, Auburn. Cincinnati Bengals, stew me. Willie Anderson coming up next here on the final drive. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner behind the glass, making sure that everything goes well. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And, of course, you can reach out to us in the app. But before we get to you in the app and before you give us a call, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to talk to one of PA's finest. And that would be one Willie Anderson, a.k.a. Stu Meat. Of course, he was down here last for the Reese's Senior Bowl and having an opportunity to see with his own eyes the prospective offensive linemen who were trying to cash that check. And Willie, good evening and welcome to the final drive. How you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm absolutely blessed by the best and want to thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us. And, <laughs> and Willie, 2023, the NFL draft is right here upon us. But some of the big things that you do and some of the great things that you continue to do to, to stay a part of the game and to, to train and to, to pass down a lot of what you learned in your NFL career is – train offensive linemen, and one of those offensive linemen should hear his name called early next Thursday, Paris Johnson Jr. 
an offensive tackle. He was a junior coming out of Ohio State. I know you have a great relationship and have enjoyed teaching this young man. Yes, I um, actually have. We have two guys, man. We have um, Paris Johnson, like you said, like you said, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, Paris was um, All American this past year at um, Ohio State, three year starter. He came out of high school a couple years ago. He was number one lineman in the country. Um, also, I have a kid by the name of Broderick Jones, who should go um, just as high um, out of Georgia. Um, Broderick's right here in Atlanta, from Latonia High School here in Atlanta. So I've been knowing these kids in our academy uh, for a couple years. I've known Paris. Uh, PJ the longest, um, you know, there's a couple of stories out there about him coming, um, going into his 10th grade season, him coming to Atlanta and staying with me in my house for a week, training with me. My my brother uh, was a pastor up in Cincinnati, Floyd Walker, and um, a family friend um, to all of us now, Corey Blunt, former Laker, former UC great basketball player. Um, Corey, Corey, my brother Floyd, was like a mentor to PJ, and um, uh, Floyd met Paris in the, in the mall. One day, and they, they got real cool, man, as mentors. And they say, man, I, I got a guy that's off with the lineman. Um, they just made one of me. And P.J., he didn't know it was me. And they drove to Atlanta and stayed with me for a week. And uh, we just started a relationship, you know, from that day on. And um, he became one of the most obsessive off the lineman kids, young kids that I've ever met in my life as far as wanting to get better. Um, a lot of our training sessions were us on um, Zoom calls and FaceTime with him holding the phone up, his mom holding the phone up. And the kid, like I say, he didn't start out as a great player. He, he worked himself into what he became today. And um, um, next week is going to all be a cumulative work of what he's been doing, his mom, Monica, has been doing for a long time. And um, it's going to be a happy time for that family. Willie, how awesome would it be for you to have an opportunity to see two young men that under your tutelage and under your help that you've known before they hit that collegiate level and, of course, gotten stronger in that strength and conditioning program, but from a technique and a fundamental standpoint, to see them possibly go back-to-back as an offensive lineman. I know that back in the day, offensive tackles were the ones who made the big bucks. Now it's the quarterbacks, but you got to remember those who are protecting the quarterbacks, making them such a valuable asset as well. Yeah, those guys make a lot of money right now. (laughs) You know, the guys who protect the quarterback, the quarterback's going to make Three and four and five hundred million. The, the, the linemen going to make just you know, you know, probably uh, half of that maybe. You know, once these guys, these young guys now, by the time these two guys' contracts come up for their next contract, it's going to be crazy if they're blessed enough to play, you know, healthy and play great for the next four or five years after getting drafted. But um, as far as us, it's, it's one of the reasons why I started the I started my academy up, my Willie Anderson Lineman Academy, is because I had my son, man. My son was a receiver, quarterback, and DB receiver, and so I spent. From his seventh grade year, 2010 to 2015, his senior year of high school, just trying to figure out and learn as much as I could about those positions. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about them. I, I thought I knew how to throw a football. I had no clue to throw a football. I thought I knew about receivers. I had no clue about receivers. So I, I put my son around some really good men um, who, uh, who was just trainers, mentors. And the only way he made it was through a community effort of those people. He made the Georgia Tech, got him to start the Georgia Tech. And so during that time, people used to ask me, could, they, could I help their sons out? And I was like, man, I'm sorry, you know, my son is so far behind because I, I didn't grow up, my son didn't grow up playing football. Like, we didn't, I never, I never wanted to be a football player. So he was so far behind that training and putting him with really good people who can teach him, not just train him and do drills, but people who cared about him, people who took time with him to show him stuff when he didn't get it, 
Cause you know when you when you when you training, sometimes you be on you're on the clock. And if and my my son couldn't go to a on the clock training because we we needed two hour sessions. He was so behind. And through I watched these these men who were great friends of mine from all backgrounds help my son out. I started my academy up with the with the with the emphasis on high school kids. Um, I say all the time, I probably made way more money. <laughs> um, and be way more famous training if I only did pros. But the guys who train pros and have the pros all on their Instagrams and their Twitter, I have no, not knocking any of those guys. That's, I, I wanted to start at the high school level because I knew, to me, the high school kids needed the most. And if I was a, um, I just felt like the information that I had of my playing time and the time I spent studying football still to this day and the time I spent consulting NFL teams that I thought it would be a real great idea, a dope idea to give it, to give all that information to high school kids and to high school coaches. And um, so to see these two guys, like I said, we, we had that guy, that, that class that came out with Paris Johnson and Bradley Jones, we had, I had four or five All-Americans that year. These two just finished school first. Other kids still in school. And um, like I say, I pride myself on not just picking up the kids who are All-American. I got kids who may play Division three football, the kids who may play Division two, or, or their parents just want them to be high school starters and be able to make the team. Like I, I got several kids. I'm more proud of for those kids that came to me as a freshman and by the time that their, their JV season, I mean, their 10th grade season came, they weren't playing JV, they were starters. I have several of those kids, I have numerous parents can, that can give us um, testimonies about that. And, and to me, I'm just being honest, Corey, those testimonies like that, those kind of kids are just as big to me as watching Paris and Browser go in the NFL draft because when a kid wins a starting job as off the line, it's a big deal. Um, it's, it's a job that's not very glorifying at the high school levels or at the middle school levels. And, but we know once you get past that eight, that ninth, 10th grade, it starts getting surreal. So if you're a starter, I, I not have a chance to go get, you know, Lord willing, a, a free education. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of our goal, man, is to put as many kids as we can in college and, you know, you know, uh, genetics and God and mom and dad to figure out they're going to the pros or not, <laughs> you know, so. Willie, as someone who was really a Bengals legend, I mean, you had an awesome career there for over a decade, four-time Pro Bowler. How, how great is it to see a team like Cincinnati really ascending to the powers of the AFC at this point? It's cool, man. You know, it's cool to watch this. It's cool for the guys to not have to go through the stuff that we went through. And you know, I cheer for them in that, in that aspect, you know what I mean? But, uh, uh, you know, um, I can say I'm, I'm more happy for the guys that have, have be, they, to be able to have careers and not go through a lot of the stuff that we went through as an organization when I was there and seeing them be able to play football and get great players. And um, you obviously have, you know, a guy that we all think is one of the best in the game, Joe Burrow, um, leading the command. He's also a great guy, a guy you can pull behind, a guy that the team can get behind, and, and you can really like these guys. And then they're a fun team to watch. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy that more of anything. We're speaking with Willie Anderson, former Viger High School offensive lineman, All-American, Auburn All-American, and, of course, an outstanding career in the NFL. And really, to me, he will be an NFL Hall of Famer and putting on that gold jacket one day. Willie, you know, when you look at the way the game has changed throughout the years, it was three yards in a cloud of dust. And now the game is picked up to where, again, the – the, the tempo has changed. The protections have changed. But one thing does remain the same. You still have to block and tackle. 
the same. Talk about the transition and how you've seen the game evolve. Well, you know, when I came in the NFL in 96, uh, um, the first round pick, you know, the game's about, you know, the, phys- the physicality that, you know, that was it's, it's a complete different in college. You know, you can play in the SEC or wherever. You get in the NFL, it'd be a guy from freaking Central Michigan that put you on your behind. <laughs> and, um, and you learn that quick. But the game was about the running backs. Back then in, in the mid-'90s, the stars were the running backs. Yeah, the quarterbacks were super important, but teams were winning football games, running the football. Even the pass rushers, they, they were bigger guys that would just try to run you over and put you on your head. <laughs> you know, how you land on your back, like just, like the guys like Reggie White and Michael Strahan and all these big defensive ends who were just terror. But by midway through my career, um, I started seeing the guys change. I started seeing, you know, the guys like Julius Peppers coming to the game, guys who's six foot seven, two eighty, running a four five forty. Javon Curse is running four three forties, two sixties, and that was become that was because the emphasis of the game changed. Uh, I know it particularly changed for me about my eighth year when we drafted Carson Palmer. You know, we drafted Carson Palmer, then two years later we made Carson Palmer, I think, the highest paid player in the league. And he got a he got a hundred million dollar contract. I, I, I just remember saying like, "Damn, <laughs> our job now goes from getting Corey Dillon a hundred yards to doing whatever we can to protect Carson Palmer." <laughs> right. And teams start the team, you start seeing the defenses adjust to that. So they, they stopped getting the big defensive end. They start getting the faster guys. And you know, one of the guys I had the most problem with my in my entire career was a guy by the name of Robert Mathis. For the coach, he played on the other side of the White Freeney. Absolutely. And um, and the White Freeney got a lot of the headlines, but Robert Matthews got just minutes numbers, sack numbers, sack for fumbles. These guys were six foot two, six foot one, two forty five. I think Raw played at um, Alabama State. Um, he's from Atlanta, and these guys were just like unblockable because they were they were so small and fast. I'm like, damn, like it's time for me to get out the league. They're they bringing these kind of guys <laughs> to the league. Like, these, <laughs> these guys are coming in, man. And so you start seeing a different kind of rushes happen. And you said earlier, you know, at one point in time, the tackles made all the money now, where the Atlanta Falcons just paid their right guard $100 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So because the rushes now come from everywhere, they come from Aaron Donald, they come from T.J. Watt, they come from the outside, the inside, they come from everywhere. So you better have enough money. I, I, I think the rule of thumb in the NFL is from general managers, they can only pay three offensive linemen. You, you pay two, you pay three top guys really well, and you hope the other two will just really develop really well, you know, because you don't have money to pay five guys. But you got to pay both tackles, and you got to pick one of the guards to pay. And I think if you do that, and those guys are really good, I now can protect my quarterback and give him time to do what he do. So um, the league's changed in that aspect, man. And I think right now, I think the running game right now, sometimes you see in the NFL, the running game is just to get a quarterback a break from throwing the football. <laughs> like, like so many teams don't even care about getting up. Like the Buffalo Bills don't care about running. They say every year we gotta stop our we gotta we gotta run the ball better, but they never do. Josh like, Allen's their most because, productive rusher. Yeah, I, I think it's because you know one, the linemen are different. They're set up differently now. You know, um, you don't see 340 pound tackles. Like in my days, you know, we we were sitting on road grading guys out of the way. That's not the game anymore. The game now is a more athletic game, and you see a lot more linemen. That are, cha- that are guys who change from different positions. You take my, my boy Lane Johnson up at uh, Philly. Oh, yeah. Lane was a high school quarterback. <laughs> and and um, now he's an all-pro right tackle for the, for, for the Eagles. Um, so you see these guys now more and more. You see tight ends and guys. The game is getting more athletic. 
that's one of the reasons why my academy, we spend so much time working on uh, what we call sports performing movements because I, I think the more athletic a guy is, the better lineman he'll be. I think sometimes these kids today don't play enough, you know, sports. You know, we grew up playing basketball, track, you know, guys wrestled. But the kids now today don't spend enough time playing other sports. So I think the movement work and mobility work has to be put inside them to teach them how to be what I call great movers. If you can teach a big guy how to be a great mover, then you have yourself a really good player, in my opinion. You said something there that really interested me. Uh, when you guys drafted Carson Palmer, how your approach had to change from getting Corey Dillon 100 yards to sitting back and, and trying to protect Carson Palmer. I mean, I imagine the approach as an offensive lineman changes from kind of on the attack versus trying to sit back and pass block. I'm just curious, like, your... I guess preference as an offensive like did you enjoy more you know trying to push guys forward uh from a run blocking standpoint or 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 trying to protect your quarterback great great question because I'm, I'm gonna say this a great question because i say thank you offensive line skill is, are, is the hardest skill to teach and learn in all the football all the football like when when dads go outside or moms go outside with their boys and girls no one is going outside to play blocking. <laughs> they're going outside to throw the ball. They want, to, hey dad, throw me the ball. Mom, throw me the ball. They want, they want to catch it. They want to rush it, throw it. No one goes outside to want to, 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 to play blocking. So to convince these guys, these young kids, to, to want to block is, is, is a hard thing. So when you get older, so of course, run blocking is way more fun. I can go tee off on a guy because really, pass blocking is a tough, tough skill. Like. You're asking us to block guys. Like, if you put um, Julius Peppers and, and me in a race, you guys are going to bet all your money in the world on Julius Peppers to beat me 100% of the time. But if he beats me one time on a, on a, on a pass rush, you call me a dog. You, you call me terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know, fans are booing at you. Like, this, this guy is way more physical, more talented than I am in every physical, every physical attribute that can be. But when it's one-on-one -on -one pass blocking, you you the fans of my team are expecting me to shut him out every pass play. So I said with Carson, you know, Corey Dillon was a huge part of our he was our offense for seven years. We now we get Carson Palmer, and our fans like now like, hey man, if you guys let Cor if you guys let Carson get sacked or hit or pressure or not, hey we booing the hell out of y'all and we we hating y'all, we 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 cursing you out and your name in the paper. It, it went from you know. They, they didn't mind Corey Dillon getting hit in the backfield. Long as on that pass play, Carson had a clean pocket and to throw that football down the field. So as a lineman, yes, I love the physicality of run blocking, but I also knew my career, we didn't start winning games. I got a guy that can throw that damn ball down the field. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it, it made my life a, a lot more easier than a court that they're running the ball four or five yards shot down the field. I got to get big shots down the field like um, these QBs can today. Willie Anderson joining us here on the final drive. And you mentioned that you have trained. And will you be in Kansas City for the NFL draft, seeing your two mentees have an opportunity to shake the commissioner's hand and walk across that stage? Yeah, I, I'll be up there. I'll be in Kansas City. We, we, we're, we're on group text now. I'm talking to um, Paris family, and they're, they're, they're coordinating my trips with the NFL and getting everything set up. They know, you know. Just flying to Kansas City is going to be rough because the, 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 the airport is a real small airport. <laughs> and and, and uh, I've heard they've, they've known to lose bags and they're short on staff, so I'm not looking forward to that part right there. Right, right. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be a great time for these kids, man. I actually didn't go to the draft when I came out. I stayed home at my mom's house in Whistler. 
and I had my whole neighborhood watch watch the draft on ESPN. Had my name called, and so um, going with them. You know, I, I didn't want to go, but they, you know, Paris been asking me to go with mom, his family, agents. They want me to be up there. You know, since, I, since I've been a big part of this the entire time, so I'll be up there. Well, Willie, I know that you continue to do great work across the country teaching offensive linemen, like you said. The big fellas, you 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 become husky, and, and people say, "Hey, look, I, I think you should probably play offensive line." But you know, even big offensive linemen play multiple sports because I enjoyed watching you dominate at Viger High School along with big man Nick Fairley, and it just goes to show that you can be so successful and versatile playing multiple sports. But you're coming down to Mobile or the Foley area in July to continue to give hands-on training. I'll definitely have you on again before then, but talk to us about the event that you have coming to Foley in July. Yeah, speaking so back in 2006, I started throwing my offensive line camp when I was still playing with the Bengals, and uh, Nick Fowley actually came to my camp. I, we, we had a, uh, him and a guy, my guy McCant. We had two pros come out of that camp um, at that last stadium, but this summer, um, I have, I have four camps around the country. Um, Foley, Foley, Alabama will be my first stop. We'll be at Foley High School with Coach Derek Scott. It's open to the public. Um, we'll have, a, by this weekend, we'll have a um, the Eventbrite schedule up where you can go register at Eventbrite. Um, it'll be the Willie Anderson Lineman Academy presents O-Line Block. I, I'll give you more information about it too, Corey. Sure. It'll be, it'll be on my Instagram and my Twitter, which is BigWillie7179. Also, we'll post it on Facebook, all that good stuff. But it's going to be a two-day camp. It's not going to be any one-on-ones. It's going to be all teaching. It's going to be um, a classroom setting. Because I, I want to get guys the full, the full advantage, the full knowledge of playing off the line. And I think sometimes when these kids go to these one-on-one camps, there's not much teaching there. It's all about the one-on-ones. And how many times you watch the videos, you see, you see the offensive linemen just getting killed. I can't stand watching videos, watching any lineman giving up sacks. Right. I can't watch it. And so... I want my camp to be a teaching camp. We're going to teach and the things, things, things the guys should be doing in the weight room. We're going to teach guys how to watch film. It's going to be a two-day ordeal over at Foley, Foley High School, Coach Derek Scott. Um, all high schools are welcome to come. Everybody's welcome to come. I have some guys coming down. Um, I'm trying to make sure, I'm trying to see if Paris going to be him and Brock's going to be able to be there. But I have some ex-guys there, um, assisting us, coaches. Um, it should be a real good deal, man. It's going to be a two-day, a two-day teaching camp. And, um, we're doing it around the country, and I think um, I tell you, it'll be, be a great experience for the kids and parents to come out and watch. And like I say, it won't be a one-on-one camp; it's gonna be a teaching and learning camp. So when you leave here, you've learned real life off of the line skills, and not just say, "Oh yeah, I had eight one-on-one reps." No, come to our camp to learn how to go to these other camps to win those reps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think you get a lot out of it. So I have information up by this weekend, Corey, uh, and I have I have more stuff for you as we get closer. I just want to come back on and uh, talk about it some more. Uh, absolutely. Willie Anderson joined us this evening on the final drive. And you know you're welcome anytime, any information or anything we can do to help promote that event. Be more than happy to. And it's always a pleasure talking to you. Look forward to seeing you. And I guarantee the camera will pan to you sometime during the event next Thursday because we'll be having our own draft party at walk-ons here on Airport Boulevard in Mobile, Alabama. And look forward to seeing okay. your guys, Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson Jr., do their thing and walk across that stage. And congratulations to your continued success. And, again, it's not every day you get an opportunity to talk with a future NFL Hall of Famer, and that's exactly what 
Stu Meat Willie Anderson is. And again, look forward to hopefully seeing you next month for Vigers opening of their stadium in Pritchard, Alabama, yeah. as the Viger yeah. Wolves would play the McGill Tulin Yellow Jackets in a spring game. Yes, I'll be there too. Looking forward to it. Willie Anderson, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, thank you. Future Hall of Famer, folks, Willie Anderson, Stu Meat, doesn't get any better. And again, somebody mentioned in the app, when you start looking at offensive tackle Chris Samuels from Shaw High School, offensive tackle Willie Anderson from Viger High School, you can start building your own football team with Mobile Alabama legends. And that's the great thing about the 251. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner will be right back. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSD. Fantastic Friday here on the final drive. Hope everyone had an outstanding work week, and we want to thank Willie Anderson for jumping on with us this evening. And of course, he will be at the NFL Draft, and we will have our own NFL Draft party at Walk-Ons next Thursday. Three to six, the final drive will start it off at Walk-Ons, and of course, after that, we will have our draft party to where you can come in and register to win a $1,200 Traeger grill along with the Bryce Young jersey, so you can't go wrong for coming in and playing GM role by filling out what the draft order will be in the 2023 NFL Draft. And, of course, here locally, the 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 net news of the days have been Le, LeBaron Filon decommitting from Auburn. And, you know, kudos to LeBaron Filon, Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama. Hopefully he will stay healthy and have an opportunity to win back-to-back -back Mr. Basketballs and make some history in the process. But, decommitting from Auburn and one of the reasons the biggest reasons I've been told or asked why do I feel that that is the case well when you have Wes Flanagan leaving that staff that creates an opportunity for LeBaron to reopen his re recruitment because he was one of the key recruiters for LeBaron Phylon and you know high school athletics here second to none because again we do have Mr. Basketball and Mr. Football right here in Mobile, Alabama. And, of course, the opening kickoff this morning at Sarah Land High School, and it was announced earlier this week that Sarah Land will be hosting Trent Dilfer's former team, Lipscomb, out of Tennessee in 2023. So that's a reason to go out and, and worth the price of admission there for sure. And, of course, it was announced today Thompson will take on IMG Academy. And, of course, IMG Academy has nothing but future four- and five-star athletes. So, Mark Freeman, they'll have their hands full taking on IMG. But just the, the best of the best when you start talking about high school football here in the state of Alabama. And when you look at – it's two really big time football games. It's right huge. There. That's awesome. It's huge, and and the end of August is when these games will be taking place. And so those are the, are those the opening games for both teams? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Sarah Land opening 
at and that's at home or they have to go to Tennessee? So you're looking at Sarah Land hosting Lipscomb. So that's th- gonna be that's gonna be awesome. That that part is I can't wait for that. Going to be amazing when you start looking at that Lipscomb Academy team and out of Tennessee. Le- that's, that's a legit program. Lipscomb, by the way, if you didn't know, Lipscomb beat Thompson last season. So I, this Lipscomb, I mean, and I know they lost Trent Dilfer to UAB, sure. obviously. So I'm not sure uh, the name off the top of my head of the guy who is taking over for Coach Dilfer over at Lipscomb. But I mean, that's a legitimate like powerhouse of a program up there in Tennessee. That's uh, that would be a ridiculous, unbelievable win for Sarah Land. Well, when you have Mark Freeman and Thompson taking on IMG, it'll be a great matchup also. And, and, you know, while we're talking about football, we, of course, broke the news today at the top of our our show in regards to there being a gambling problem in the NFL. And we had that outstanding debate about (laughs) whether legal or illegal, do you do it? on the premises don't you do it on the premises why you should why you shouldn't who should pay for you but the story is four detroit lions suspended for gambling quintez cephas and cj moore suspended indefinitely jameson williams the 12th pick from last year's nfl draft and stanley berryhill were mobile betting at the lions facility weren't betting on football, but were placing bets at the facility of the Detroit Lions, and they received a six-game suspension. Now, the good news for Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill, they can play in the preseason, participate in OTAs, serve their six-game suspension, and be back. Well, that's not the case for Quintez Cephas, along with C.J. Moore. They were cut by the Detroit Lions and Washington commander defensive end Shaka Tony. He's also suspended for six games, but Calvin Ridley returning to the NFL after his betting suspension. When you bet on your own sport, that's when there becomes a problem. That's when you're looking at indefinite suspensions. And, and I just think that Pete Rose's name just continues to ring out over and over and over again. And some of these young cats, they they just don't know the story of Pete Rose and what it has cost them. Mm-hmm. Because Pete Rose, to me, will be dead and gone before he's even thought about having an opportunity to get into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And he's one of the greatest. But it's a situation to where it's the second Alabama player, and both of them play wide receiver. So... Their hands are pretty good, but not good enough to to escape the digital technology that's following them in the NFL. And I know all eyes have to be open and stay open because now it's just not one player as Calvin Ridley was taken and suspended and is going to be returning this season. Now you have five at a time. So if, if you're in the NFL or NBA or any other major league sport, You have to know Big Brother's watching. And when he's watching, you have to know if you're doing it at the facilities that are part of these franchises, they're going to catch you. Mobile betting is what got them in trouble Mm. at the Lions facility, at the Redskins, excuse me, the Commander's facility. 
It's just something that you 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 if you feel like you can afford to give up a lifetime salary, go right ahead. Because Ridley, I know he said he's learned from his mistakes. Well, obviously, people weren't listening to what he had to do and, and what was done to him and what it cost him. And if you want to give away your entire salary, by all means, go ahead and gamble and bet at a facility or a training place that is a professional organization. Well, hmm. how to address that? Uh, I don't think that the NFL has a gambling problem. As for Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore, we said this earlier, I have no sympathy for. Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore, and the reason why they got cut and suspended for indefinitely, which will be at least a year, is because they were betting on the NFL. That's why Calvin Ridley was suspended for an entire year. That's why we haven't heard the name Calvin Ridley in a while. Now let's hope he comes back strongly for the Jaguars this season. With Trevor Lawrence, I do believe he's going to come back and, and be productive again. Uh, Jamison Williams, I, I wouldn't call it a gambling problem. I would call it a gambling rules problem because the NFL's policy is that players are allowed to gamble on other sports. Jamison Williams just happened to be in the wrong place when he placed said wagers. Uh, so the NFL has this gray area where you're able to place bets on other sports, just not in specific locations, locations being team hotels, team planes at the facility. And I don't know exactly what the details were on that. I, I don't know. You, you'd have to ask Jamison Williams. But my argument before and uh, that I stand by is that the NFL needs to do one of two things, either allow gambling on other sports or don't allow gambling on other sports. Where you place the bet, in my opinion, is irrelevant. Either make it a hard and fast line or don't. Either let the players gamble on other sports or don't. And for Jameson Williams, yeah, I mean, I guess he got caught betting on, I don't know, maybe he made a, maybe he, uh, thought Sabonis was going to have a good game last night and uh, <laughs> and made a little Sabonis over points bet. I'm sure this happened. But why not just ago. wait? Why, Wh what's the problem with just waiting to place the bet outside of the facility? Again, I think someone raised a good point in the app before as well, saying, like, what if it happened in the team hotel and they weren't even aware of the rule? Like, what if what if guys are sitting... Who's not aware of the rule? Who, who maybe... Who? Who like is the, the they? The who is they? The player who made who made no, the No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. When you come to this job, you know the rules and regulations. You know what's inbounds and what's out of bounds. I would you say, know. I would say it's the player's responsibility to know that. No, no. Yeah. They're lectured on it. They're giving seminar after seminar after seminar after seminar about the do's and don'ts. That's what I mean. It's like if, if you're going to go through all these hoops, why not just ban gambling altogether? Instead of just having a, oh, you can gamble, just not here and not there. Oh, and also not there. But if you're there, you can gamble. That, that's what I mean. I, I don't think that's crazy. I think we can find some common ground here and that the NFL should either allow gambling or not allow gambling. They and do again, allow gambling, again, this is not, just not on their sport. This is not gambling on football, again. And on I their property. I can't reiterate that en uh, enough times. I do not believe that NFL players should be able to gamble on the NFL. That's ridiculous. Uh, not saying that. Nor no. any other professional athlete be allowed to yes, bet course. on their sport. Uh, of course. Um, you know, the morality of 
betting on your own team is, you know, I kind of think is whatever, but it's not like you're betting against your own team. But there, it just opens up too big of a can of worms. It should, there should absolutely be the hard and fast line there is that already exists that NFL players cannot bet on the NFL. Obviously, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to argue against that. Uh, but it's the the Jamison Williams and uh, and, and who is the other guy? Um, I can't even remember. Stanley Berryhill. Stanley, Ber- Stanley Berryhill, the ones who are suspended for six games, who are suspended for just making a bet on a different sport in the wrong location. I, it's 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 just a very odd headline. Whole situation's very odd. And it, and again, in my opinion, it should just be you either can or you can't gamble on other sports. And if you can, it shouldn't really make a difference where you do it. And if you can't, well, then you can't. And that's that's fine. Just make it a hard and fast rule. And if you're caught gambling on other sports, well, then you're in trouble and get the same punishment as everyone else. But the, it's just this gray area where you can do it here and can't do it there and can do it here. It, that's why you're seeing Jameson Williams and Barry Hill suspended here because I I, I think the that big of a gray area does breed for confusion. See, he, here's where there's no gray area for Jameson Williams. He only played in six games, so yeah. your your focus wasn't even on football. It was on rehab yeah. to where, again, just like his teammates, if there's a 52-man roster, then why can 48 of those guys not get caught in the meat grinder, not get caught with their hands in the piggy bank? You, you see what I'm saying? Because now you've got 48 people that – know what the rules are, and out of the entire NFL, if you have a 52-man roster and you have 32 teams, so now you have thousands of players that are adhering to the knowledge and the wisdom that has been given to them. What? Why? Now you've got five or six guys that think they're bigger and better than the system that are going to outplay or outdo the system? It doesn't work like that. You're you're not gonna win that battle. You there, uh, again, does one apple bad apple spoil the bunch? No, because now you've got thousands of NFL guys that are continuing to do right. They're gonna continue to gamble. It's their money by all means. Go ahead and gamble. Don't do it on your sport, because to me that's your death penalty when you do that. But if you want to gamble on other things, again, I'll, I'll sit here and, and give you the total numbers. On an NFL roster, when you start looking at a 52-man roster times 32 teams, that's 1,664 guys that have to adhere to it. And it wasn't just the players who were suspended. We're talking about several other staff members in different organizational roles were released and lost their job. So when you start looking at those numbers, that's over 3,000 probably NFL employees that know when you're on our campuses or in within our organizational structure, it's a no-no. So how can close to 3,000 people do the right thing and then think it's okay for you to go ahead and do it your way? Again, I, I, I don't think that Jamison Williams is just sit, or whoever. I think there are probably other guys – Gambling in the team, gambling, other guys in the gambling. Team, gambling in the team hotel because it's an it's but a, they're an not asinine doing rule. it with their own mobile devices. 
there's there the, again mobile betting has been tracked back to these players but themselves. You, let me ask you that. I, so I think we're on the same page. The rules were broken and whatever. Would you agree the rules are somewhat trivial? No. I why? Why, I why, why? What difference does it make? Here's the thing. If you want to try to toe the line, if you want to try to be that guy or that gal who feels that they can get away with it, let me try and see. It's a gray area here. Let me try this gray area. I'm not quite sure. Nobody told me X, Y, and Z. You're going to be made an example out of. That's not really what I'm asking you, though. Okay. I'm at, like. Go ahead, clarify the, the, yourself. The rule was broken. I, I'm okay. not. I'm not disagreeing with you. Right. The rule is broken, and they're going to be punished. Like they, they tried. They gray area, whatever. Okay. My 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 question to you is: Would you agree that the fact that they can gamble in their house, but not at the team hotel? Absolutely, they can gamble at their house. Well, I I understand. Would you agree that that rule is is somewhat foolish and doesn't really make a lot of sense? What what difference does it really make? No, because. It's a rule saying that you can't do it on the property. Same thing with at a school zone. You can't come on. You can own a firearm, but you're not going to bring it on school property. But gamble, comparing gambling to a firearm, I, I, I think is... It's illegal. Is, 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 is completely asinine, it's, it's illegal. It's an illegal activity. So we're talking about what's it's legal and what's it, illegal. No, it's not illegal. It's illegal in Alabama. It's not, gambling's not an illegal activity. Here's we don't have a pro franchise here either, Mike. Why well, this didn't happen? The story we're talking about did not happen. But in we're talking about. You asked me a question about my views. What is legal? What is illegal? How do I feel about it? How I don't feel about it? Home or not at home? I don't live at a school, but I can't do certain bring illegal firearms to a school. I don't live at that school. I can't bring an illegal firearm there. That's my point. Wish we weren't out of time. We'll have to continue this on Monday. No doubt about it. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MOB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And again, at the top of the show, I wanted to dedicate this show to Montrez Slater and his family again. Montrez was senselessly murdered here in Mobile, Alabama, and we just need to put the guns down and stop all the gun violence and the murdering here. And Montrez Slater will be laid to rest tomorrow here in Mobile, Alabama. So just want to tell his friends and family, we love you. We're in support of you. And we just have to do better. And again, sports is a way to unite and not divide. And we love that. And want to thank our guest today, Luke Johnson, talking about the Saints from the Times Picayune and Willie Anderson, Stu Meat from Viger High School, joined us this evening as well. And of course, Michael, everybody can tune in to this great show we had on this Friday evening. WNSP Now, our podcast is available and they can check it out. Yeah, yeah, check us out on WNSP Now. Just search, again, WNSP Now, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever, uh, WNSP Now. You can find the morning show. You can find our show. You can find John Ricchetti. You can find the Prep Spotlight. You can find Tommy Prater. You can find Nick Wiggins and Stephen Root on the double team. You can find myself and Owen McEnroe doing Throw It Deep on the NFL, but pretty much whatever you want, just search WNSP Now wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you check it out if you missed any of today's show. WNSP now is the place to go as we talk LeBaron Phylon, the Oakland A's to Vegas. 
the Detroit Lions suspension along with another Washington commander player. We talked a little NBA, college football rules changing. And again, eight-day weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll have plenty to talk about on Monday. You better bet on that, folks. Bet on the final drive joining you on Monday. Have an outstanding weekend.